to the Perpessence Podcast. I am your host, Brian Dusso. What's up, everybody? Today, we're talking about self-discipline, how I control my anger, and something that I was learning today, which is how bacteria can alter your mood, the way you act, what you eat, how you think, who you are. And we'll talk more about that. Okay, self-discipline. So, there's a lot of motivational speakers out there or movies or teachers or in inspirational books that try to teach you discipline. But at the, at the end of the day, it does come down to the work. But how do we apply ourselves? Well, this is something I learned at a young age, about 12 years old. And I've brought this up many of times. I picked up the guitar at 12, and ever since, I just locked myself in my room, played the guitar. And I would play it six, eight hours a day, and I would just lose myself in it. I just couldn't stop learning. And I applied what I did there to everything else in my life. So it really gave me a teachable moment. And it just came down to doing it every day. Just like how you go to school every day, how you go to work every day, how you take care of your kids every day, how you take a shower, how you sleep, all that. It's repetition. It's when it's repetition, it's ingrained in us. So I want to go over a few things. Hyper-focus, in my definition, is putting a lot of energy into one task until it's complete. So this is short-term, and it can be long-term too, but I'm usually, the hyper-focus is usually like a, like a whole lot of focus and you shut everything else you shut everything else out and you only focus on that and it's just this in the in the zone and that's what I did with guitar i was hyper focused you could be hyper focused on things you enjoy so find a way to enjoy whatever you're doing it's tough when it's something you don't want to do but think of the outcome. There is an outcome that you're working for. So find a way to justify it in your mind that you're doing this for a cause. There's a reason. There's going to be a payoff. So find a way you have a payoff. Even if you have to say, well, if I get this done, then we're going to go out to eat at that restaurant I want to eat that's a couple hours away. So... Hyperfocus. 
you have to accept that there's never a right time except for now. You have to dive in and work. So we can't say, oh, I'm going to wait till the beginning of the week or I'm going to wait till tomorrow. It has to be now. My philosophy, if you're thinking about, thinking about something you want to do, you have the motivation at the current moment. So I have to get it done right away because it won't, I know it won't get done. So I do this with the stuff I don't want to do, like chores or working in the yard. I, I like working in the yard, but like just after a long day at work and the kids and I'm tired, I'm hungry, and now it's late, and I at least want a little bit of relaxed time, so I forego the yard work. But if I'm at home or driving home, I haven't done anything yet, and I'm thinking about mowing the lawn, I do it first thing. And then it will be most likely be done versus, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Because I'm just putting myself in work mode. It's kind of like working out. If I put my workout shoes on, and this is why I have my workout shoes in there, specifically workout shoes, nothing else. So it tricks my mind to I'm in workout mode. When I put these on, I don't think I do. And it just, it's, it tricks my mind doing that. So same thing with motivation for chores and stuff you don't really want to do. Once you, it crosses your mind, do it right now and it will be done and you will feel better that you accomplished a task and you would, you feel that your day has been productive. It's the little sessions that count. Instead of waiting for a big chunk of time to work on your project or passion, you can chip away at it. You can do it at five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. It really adds up when you do this every day. If you do this every day, it becomes a habit. You will literally program yourself to complete tasks. So this one's important. Even if you only have five minutes. So I've written a book, I'm editing it. And I know if I just at least sit down for five minutes, I'm five minutes further today than yesterday. And if I sit down again tomorrow, maybe it'll be 10. Maybe it'll be two hours. Maybe it'll be eight hours. Maybe, maybe it'll be five minutes again. But regardless, I'm progressing further. And this is what I did when I wrote it, except for I was hyper-focused when I wrote it because I was in the zone and I loved it and I had something to say. Editing, not so much. It's tedious. It's, it's, I, I have to do the payoff. I have to justify in my mind that after I get this edited, it goes to a professional editor. So it's like I, it's the work I have to do and then I will feel relieved and now I can put it in someone else's hand to make it even better or give me notes on how to make it better. 
And then I can look into the next step. And I like to do small steps versus just looking at the end. Because if you just look at the end, it's like, man, I can write in a whole book and then I have to edit and then send it to an editor and maybe re-edit and maybe send it back to an editor. And then I have to look at getting it published and then I had to spend money and then now I have to find a way to market it and then now I have to find a way to put it online or how to sell it and then maybe a book tour and it's just so many steps it's daunting it's like no wonder no one does this but when I break it down and this is how I break down my work day just that my normal work I, I break down the day from break to break to certain hours to lunch to even the day of the week. It helps my mind not think about the daunt. Is that word daunt? But the daunting week, the work week. I don't, I don't say to myself, oh, I don't want to go to work. I force myself to be in work mode, like putting on those shoes. I set my alarm, I get up, I have my morning ritual, and it prepares me for my work day, and I just in grind mode because I have a passion I'm working on, and if I don't work at my work, I'm not going to be able to work on my passion. It's, it's a stepping stone. So I ha it's a point in my life I have to do this. Regar regardless, we all have to work. It's just what human beings do. So breaking it down into small steps, it, it, it really makes my mind healthy and not worry, you know? So, yeah, chipping away at it every day, and then eventually it will become something big, and you're like, Wow, I'm so glad I put in the small little efforts, the little wins, to get this big win. And now I can really celebrate and apply this to other things in my life. Cut out distractions. There will always be another TV show. There will always be gossip. There will always be alcohol. There will always be social media and notifications. If you let these things distract you away from what you really desire, then you start to hyper-focus on the wrong things. You start building the wrong habits. The notifications on the phone, it's designed to, to ring or vibrate or pop up like the notification bubble. They're designed to catch your attention and you feel like you have to answer it. It's like a door knock or a doorbell ring. It's like you hear it, you know, you gotta, you have to answer it. You're wondering who's at the other side. And if you're not even answering it, you're really wondering, you're look out the window, you know? Like it's, it's just how it, we are designed. So it's the workaround on that. You can put your phone in airplane mode. You can put it in, in another room. You can... There's apps out there that restrict social media. That way you only get text messages. 
or restrict your text messages and only have calls at a certain time of the day. There's things you can do, and this really helps with your productivity. What I do is I set my phone in another room because I know if it's by me, I'm going to reach for it and check it, and usually nothing happens. Or you scroll through your news feed and it's really the same thing. Just wasting your time, you know? So really set aside time and cut out distractions. Other distractions, TV shows, that's another one because TV's so great. I get it. I love TV. But I know when I finish a show that I'm like, oh, I can finally work. But what do I do? I go and see another show that looks amazing. And I start watching that, and then I'm hooked, and I keep watching that till I'm binge-watching that till that season's done or the show's done. And then on to the next, you know? It's really easy to get caught in that cycle, especially when you're enjoying it. And then you're hyper-focusing on all the, the wrong things. And social media is designed to keep you engaged. It will find uh, certain memes or find certain ads or certain posts that you happen to look at the most. It will keep that at the top of your news feed. It knows when you're hovering over a picture for 5 to 10 seconds or if you just keep scrolling so it's gonna, the algorithm's gonna keep you engaged because that's how they make money. Um, alcohol, you know, if you're too, too engaged with alcohol, you're not going to get work done because you're usually drinking with other people or you're not being productive while you're drinking and it, it distracts you. Your mind's not working as Sharp. Exercise your mind. I read books, listen to podcasts, follow YouTube channels, apply knowledge learned, write, create music, have my own podcast. This keeps my mind plastic, which means I can mold my mind the way I want to. Your brain isn't a muscle, but the mind works like one. So... Yeah, our mind is plastic. So when it is plastic, that means it's just easy to mold. And it's usually plastic when you are always learning new things that are hard, that kind of like confuses your mind or makes you kind of sleepy when you're go learning it. You know, it's just real tiring after a while, you know. And when you're doing this, you're building neural pathways in your brain and it becomes repetition. It's something learned. It's stored in your memory. So that's why it's important to go over things a couple times. Yeah, I believe it's seven times you have to memorize something before it kind of stays in your mind a, a little bit. I remember that in college. So that's why it's important what you focus on is going to build the neural pathway. So it's 
very hard to break that. And to break that, you have to not do it at all and form other neural pathways so your mind starts to focus on that. So it's kind of like environmental and you're kind of tricking your mind into doing what you really want to do. So, yeah, wrap it out with your mind. Don't hang around toxic people. Your mind is like a sponge. If you are around someone toxic frequently, you can start to pick up their habits. Choose wisely who you let in your inner circle. I can't tell you how important that is because people are interesting. They persuade. They're fun. And if it's not within your morals or it's distracting you or you're becoming someone you don't want to be, then it's doing you harm. And this can be someone that's close, someone that you're in a relationship with, one of your best friends, maybe someone you don't know what to do with because you're a coworker and you're forced to be around them, a parent, um, this someone you're stuck with that you can't really get rid of. Um, yeah, your neighbor, someone at the store. So like, that's life. You can't just be in a bubble and avoid everyone. So you're going to have to go out there and deal with it. But you're going to have to learn how to cut people out. Some people you just cannot cut out and you have to be able to find a workaround. But if it is an option, it is important to do that because they don't care about your well-being. So why should you care about them? I get it. Maybe you you feel that you're a pushover, but you're doing yourself harm doing that. You're not pleasing them. They don't care. They're just going to go on to the next person. So do yourself a solid, cut them out, and find someone else to lift you up. Be around healthy people. People that are like-minded, people that challenge you, and people that don't belittle you, people that listen to you and treat you like a person. So that's, that's very important. So self-discipline, it's, it's definitely an art. It's never easy, but you can be good at it. And the more you practice it, the better you become. But when you drop out of your discipline, it's hard to get back on. Just like when you started, like you say, you know how you did it, but it's just so hard to get back on. So that's why it's best just to stay disciplined. That's why I say make your bed every day. So how I control my anger. That's a tough one, right? So much traffic out there, so much people that don't care, that only care about themselves and will do whatever it takes to make their day better. It's me and my family, that's all I care about. There's a lot of angry people online all the time, the news. So yeah, there's a lot of anger out there. So how do I go against the grain and 
not be angry as much. It's impossible to, it is impossible to not be angry because it's the fight or flight. It's a split second where you do have anger, but then it subsides. The rest of it is all in your mind. After that, you're doing it to yourself. So anger is triggered by thoughts. Thoughts are living in the past. Some people replace pain and vulnerability with anger. So sometimes you see an anger, angry person, it's like really they're just afraid of being vulnerable or they're hurt, so they lash out. It's easier to feel anger than hurt. It's hard to say to someone that I'm sad right now or I, I'm in pain or I'm not having a good day. It is hard to open up. When someone opens up to you, you can open back up to them, you know, but it's hard just to open up by yourself. That's why it's important to be with friends because if you're having a good time, you tend to open up towards the end of the hangout or whatever. That's how it is with me. Anger causes physical change. Increased heart rate. That's 100 BPMs or more. Tightness in your body. Fight or flight system is engaged. Instead of worrying about the story, focus on the sensations your body's giving. This is super important. So focus on your breathing, your heart rate, where how your fists feel, your feet feel, how your ears feel, how fast you're blinking. If you're feeling flushed, those things, really, when you just focus on those, it slows you down for a second. And then you can start to go, oh, I'm angry right now. Because sometimes you don't know for a while. And then it's kind of like addicting. So you keep doing the, the lashing out or, you know, as being really angry. I statements can keep you locked into one perspective. Instead of superiority statements as I'm right, I want my way. You can instead ask yourself, am I really right? Or am I refusing to see the other side? I statements can be good when you express yourself versus making bold defensive statements. I feel left out when you say that. I feel lesser than when you say that. It lets them know how you feel without accusing them with anger. If they care, they will be more mindful when that situation happens again. And people will listen. You'd be surprised. You think they don't. But if you come from a neutral standpoint, not defensive, not attacking, people will notice that. And then next time, they might even say it like something that you said. And you're like, wow, you listen. And thank you. I appreciate you. It's hard to come by, you know? So it's, you have to appreciate those people that listen. Anger makes others shut down leave or fight back. It never solves the situation, at least not in the long term. So you can throw a fit and get your way, but it never works in the long run because people will get tired of you. Anger gets attention. It does work. The squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the oil. But if the wheel continues to squeak, 
all the time, people will end up getting a new wheel. Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor says, when a person has a reaction to something in their environment, there's a 90-second chemical process that happens. Any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. So, it's truly only 90 seconds. And when you think something, it becomes real in your mind. So you go back and you think about the situation you repeat the 90 seconds. And some people do this for years, 30 years, more, weeks. So what's important is to be in the present moment and get over it and not repeat it in your head because you don't want to build a neural pathway towards that. It's unhealthy for you because the other person is already forgetting about it. It's only you doing it, it to yourself. When you choose to hold on to anger, it can take 20 minutes for your fight or flight system to regulate. So that's why it's important to be in the present moment. So you can self-regulate your system and then go, okay, I'm over it. I can think clearly. I, I can see the situation and I, maybe I got out of control or maybe I see what that was and they're acting out and I've been in that position. So I'm just not going to take it personal. We always have a choice to react or not. Anger turned inwards can turn into depression and anxiety. Anger turned inward often turns into self-hatred. If you hold on to anger, you may take it out on strangers or people you know you can get away with it. So close people or weak people or people smaller than you. This is often road rage or small, nasty interactions. So someone that's just nasty or mouthy or backhanded. Solutions. Change your environment, your space. Working out, physical activity. Changing your thinking, cognitive distance. Relax, meditate. So... Change your environment, move yourself from the situation, working out, go for a walk, uh, literally work out, do something that's productive like clean the house or mow the lawn, changing your thinking, cognitive distance, read a book, uh, stoicism, I highly recommend, stoicism tells you that if it's not in your control, be indifferent about it. It is neither good or no bad. It just happened, and that's how the world works. It is out of your control. There's no reason to worry about it. What you should worry about is yourself, how you feel. If you feel angry, how do you get rid of that? Because anger is not productive. Anger does not do anything in life. The only it's not even good in a fight. Anger is really not, not, not good. It is not healthy. Actually, I, that's the thing I'm interested in. How is anger, like, in a survival standpoint, how is it useful? Maybe it's useful for there's enemies, perhaps, and tribes, and they want to get rid of tribes, push them out. Something like that.
So, but when you're angry, you're blinded and you can't really see the big picture. So it's good to calm down and know that someone made you angry and really pay attention to them, watch their signs, see if they keep doing it. And then you know they're an enemy, but now you can go up about it in a calculative way because you have the higher ground because you can think clearly and trick them and make them angry and make them blinded and you can use that to your advantage. See, so that's why anger is just its not so good. Everyone gets angry, but it is your choice on how you react. Holding on to it causes, causes pent-up anger, which leads to destruction. So pent-up anger is no good. You take it out on everyone and you're thinking about something that happened in the past and you think the world's out to get you. How much more harmful are the consequences of anger than the circumstances that arouse them in us? Marcus Aurelius. Yelling might feel good at the moment, but it doesn't solve the situation. It gives the other person an opportunity to be more rude. Getting worked up doesn't fix anything. It doesn't make the problem go away. Holding on to anger wastes valuable time. You shouldn't give circumstances the power to rouse anger, for they don't care at all. Marcus Aurelius. Everything is either good, bad, or indifferent. We are the ones that put judgment and value on that. I have two tips for you to practice for anger. One, this one is for the times you become instantly angry. When this happens, take a deep breath, slowly breathe in, then tell yourself, breathe in and breathe out the anger. Do this one to three times. If it's extremely bad, remove yourself and isolate. Practice a breathing exercise or meditation until you are calm. Sometimes it's going to take a while. And this can be done with other things. Breathe in the good, breathe out the bad. You want to take that negativity and release it. And doing it out loud tells your mind that it's kind of tricking your mind to think that instead of thinking about other things and then you're releasing and it just makes you more calm and your body relaxed. Two, patience. This one is long-term. Instead of instant gratification, let it unfold as it may. Release control. If you force control over a situation, there, there will be resentment. But if you are observant and use patience, you can use a rational eye to reflect after time has passed. You can ask yourself if it was really that big of a deal. Or you can see the truth on the actions that unfolded. There's no reason you should be the punching bag of repeated actions. Have a spine and have a clear mind. That one takes practice. But asking yourself, is it a really big deal, is an important question. Because most times, after time has passed, you think, you know, life is fragile. Tomorrow is never promised. That was not a big deal. It hurt me. I felt a certain way. I may have overreacted, 
I may have let them have the power, but now I'm taking my power back and I'm moving forward. And if this person is dragging me down, then I'm forgetting about them. So that's what I have to say on anger. So there is something really cool that I learned today. And this is the uh, bacteria and how it's, how the bacteria controls us, basically our moods, how we act, what we want to eat. And it was really interesting. It's a, our, our bodies are made of cells, right? Well, we have more bacteria on the outside and inside of our bodies versus human cells in the entirety. We're more bacteria than human. And our bacteria drives us to do certain things, like our gut bacteria makes us literally crave certain foods, gives us mood swings. And we have bacteria hovering all around us like a cloud. And it's a unique fingerprint. It can be measured, all of us. And when we come into a room and meet other people, we breathe out bacteria in our, from our mouths and our lungs inside of us. We breathe it out and other people breathe it in. They breathe, which controlled our mood now controls their mood. And our clouds are mixing together and we're taking things back home and do it like we're mixing everything. The whole world is mixing together. Not only that, there's like oxygen and I'm sure there's bacteria, but from like dinosaurs and turtles and very old animals that still exist. So like there's, it's like almost reincarnation, but like not that, uh, oh yeah, I have memories when I was a grasshopper and I saw a bird and the bird said, hey, I remember you. You helped me across the road when I was an old woman. I like you, grasshopper. I'll let you be. <laughs> I don't think it's like that. I think it's more of like, what from what I heard is when you die, you release a bunch of oxygen because you hold on to oxygen, but when you die, the oxygen leaves because somehow it knows you're dead. Then it leaves your body and stays in the air. And so someone else breathes it in. So you basically, you're, I don't think your conscious survives of who you think you are. Now, the conscious might not be you. It might be the collective. It might be the bacteria around you, the, the ch interchanging of the bacteria molecules and the frequency levels that we vibrate on. And that's who we are, and it forms this consciousness. So your conscious can change throughout your life by impact, by environment, by what you read, you see, you say, what other people say to you. 
that's what consciousness is. So when you die, a little bit of you comes out of your body, that oxygen, and all those molecules are going to separate and they're not going to be all together in a cloud. They're going to disperse. So it's not like your whole being is going into someone else. I think it's maybe just a little bit because matter can neither be created nor destroyed. So I think it just kind of spreads out into another consciousness and adds on to that. So it's, I don't think yours survives. That's, you know, there's no science backing that up, I don't think, but that's my theory. Anyways, my point is, I say this all the time, you are the average of the five people you are around most, or the five things you consume the most. And this, scientifically, proves that. Because you are absorbing their bacteria, what they say is creating neural pathways to you. And that's how you can be manipulated because you remember you say something seven times, it starts to create a neural pathway. It starts it. And you can pick up different habits from people. So that's why the internet's so advanced for our minds. So you keep scrolling through Twitter and you get caught up in politics and what people say and you start absorbing all this even though you don't want to you might build a scarcity mindset because this thread holds scarcity and now it's rubbing off onto you so that's why it's important to have discipline and you can choose who you want to be by throwing yourself in the right environments with the right people. This is something I've learned. This is why I went to events. I'll go around in my city and go to events to meet high-value people. And high-value can mean many different things. It can mean financially, emotionally, charismatically, with talent, passion, a lot of different things, empathy. So I want to learn from people because I just want, I just like it, you know? So that's why it's important to really be around the right people because if you're around gossiping and drama and you're giving into it, especially... It's wasting your valuable time. It's consuming you. It's causing you anxiety and no one wants to be anxious. And then you bring that home, take it out on someone else or hold it in and make it worse and blow up the next day at work. You know, we, we all see this. This happens everywhere. So if we just breathe in and say, I am choosing not to give in. I'm choosing not to listen. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I have to breathe through it. Luckily, I can wear headphones. <laughs> Drown it out. But I've learned when someone's gossiping and you are upfront and honest and say, hey, 
you know me, I don't get involved. This is not my thing. So please do not talk about this with me. And most times, from my perspective, they honor that. And then if someone says something about you, you're not going to care. You're not giving into it. Of course, they're going to say stuff about you. That's what they do. That's what they repeat day in and day out. Not surprising. I mean, if you have haters, that means you're doing something right. And at the end of the day, it doesn't bother you. They're the ones thinking about it, not you. You're thinking about your blog, your book, your project, your kids. Your, you have better things to think about. But the bacteria is very interesting. I like it. I really like it. And I think it's really cool. It's like the people I meet, my bacteria uh, influences their bacteria. My words influences their brain because they're listening. And I'm using that in a healthy way. And I know when I'm listening to them, when I actually listen, it's influencing me. And I'm engaged because of that. Because you can learn from everybody. And it's nice to have an uh, open conversation where people actually are engaged. It makes you feel like a human being instead of talking to an avatar. So you may think you don't matter sometimes, but you do. Everything you do in your daily life extremely impacts other people. If you're very anxious and scared and shy, it you illuminate that and people don't want to talk to you because it subconsciously transfers into their bacteria and their mind and from a survival standpoint, they're like, I do not want to, I get a bad vibe from that person. So uh, I don't know what it is. So we're going to keep our distance. So in the tribes back in our caveman days, we uh, stuck to the people we knew and that we were tight. And if other people are shy, we're like, huh, keep an eye out for that one. If other people are angry and lashing out, we're like, huh, banish them or murder them or steal their food. We don't like that person. Hang them out to dry. So like it was very brutal, but that's why it's important from a survival standpoint to communicate with others, to be a human being, to show that you can be compassionate and be have a strong character and you can go physically hunt if you need to. You can talk people down if you need to. You can not lash out and keep your cool. That way you prevent, you know, a big war. Like things like that are so important. And we go through wars every day in our head with people we talk to. There's this quote I heard. Oh, yeah. 
I don't remember where it was, but I said, warrior, not worrier. If someone's intruding on your well-being, messing with your head, it's an act of war. So you should not worry about what they say. You are a warrior, so you should be at war. What is your tactic that you're going to choose? Are you going to not let it bother you because you have better things to do? Are you going to stand your ground and not take it? Or are you going to be the weak warrior and wave the flag? So it is your choice. On that note, adios. I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. Thank you.